Yo, 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 whether you're wearing pants or not, welcome to No Pants Required. I'm your host, X3C. Thanks for joining. Today's episode, I have another special guest in to talk about a great topic. But before we dive into that, let's jump into the quickie. Reward programs. I live by them. I'm not cheap. I'm not frugal. I'm just savvy. So I take every opportunity I can to sign up for an app, even Popeyes, right? I have the T-Mobile Tuesdays app. Not sure if you ever heard of it, if you're a non-T-Mobile user, but every Tuesday, they provide some type of reward back to their customers. Usually once a month, we get 2 or $3 off of Dunkin' Donuts. The beauty of that is you can take that amount and multiply it by however many people send you their QR code. So if 10 people send you the $3, you have $30 that you can use at Dunkin' Donuts within that time frame that they give you to use those rewards. Smoothie King, I'm a big fan. Smoothie King Fridays, dive into Smoothie King, get a 40 ounce within, you know, uh, that, that, that equates to some points there. And so usually I'm getting free smoothies all the time because I frequent that place. I want to get something back in return. Uh, Kava, for example, you know, I get, I spend about a hundred bucks and then from there you get your rewards. Your next meal is on them. Um, there are a bunch of different things out there that, that I'm really big into credit card rewards, hotel rewards, like uh, airline rewards. There are perks and different things you can get. There are a lot of reward programs out there. I know it may be a lot of work and effort to sign up for these things. I don't care. Sign up for them. They are important. It's free money. It's free food. It's free program. It's free services. Sign up for reward programs. Utilize them. If your credit card says, use this credit card service to book your airline flight, don't go on Travelocity or Expedia. Use that credit card website to get the free miles or the free points or the free room upgrade or the free rentals, right? Utilize the reward programs. Get the free money, the free services out there because guess what? Why waste it? It is important to utilize every asset available to you so you can keep your money in the bank, stack your cheddar, stack your cheese, and become rich. Not like me, but like other people. And that's the quickie for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for entertaining me here with that. Back on a podcast, none other than my homie, Don, is joining the podcast. Hey, how's it going, man? Yeah. So, um, what's been new since we last talked? I'm kind of still hung up on your, uh, you know, little little tidbit there. I want to go to Smoothie King now, get some of those rewards. Come on, and and, and one thing I left out of there: every time you go, you get two dollar different little enhancements. Right? They give you two dollars once you hit a certain dollar threshold. So it's not just you spend an X amount; you get two dollars in rewards. You can use that for enhancements. You can use that to upgrade the the size of the drink. You can use that for just take off two dollars off the total so you can use that reward in three different factors i love that they give you the flexibility smoothie king is awesome do i get a smoothie on on this show yeah downstairs okay after this after this okay yeah from smoothie king uh, yeah sure okay <laughs> yes two, <laughs> thanks for having two, me back okay man. okay great so what's been new since other than that like with you since we last talked working hard man i mean after we talked about the you know the real estate i was like hey gotta get some friends make a partnership buy some stuff you know what we gotta do it you know we gotta do it we have to we have to figure this out um public service announcement we're we're looking for partners please ping us within the next five days from listening to this podcast we are we're taking all 
um, qualified applicants into our partnership team, the Warren and Don team. Public service announcement number two, we're not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Cut it. We ain't doing that. <laughs> I, got, I got excited. I'm sorry. It's my second show. Right. Hey, that, that's a good thing, right? Yeah. You're, you did so great on your first episode. There was no nervous energy and jitter. Wink, wink, side eye. <laughs> <laughs> that's why That's why you edit these, right? <laughs> of course. Right. So we have you here for the second episode, but this time we're going to dive into how to build generational wealth, right? And this is not to say that neither one of us is generationally wealthy, but this is to say, how do we set the parameters up so that one could leave a legacy for their kids or their dogs or their friends, right? So how do we do that? What are some of the tools that we have available to, uh, to do so? So, you know, what I think is extremely critical is financial education, right? Oh, definitely. And in a way to sustain wealth, but also to build wealth is just one step. But sustaining it is a whole nother perspective, right? Yeah. So helping me explore aspects of building generational wealth, you know, is something that I'm really looking to you for your insight. Some, you, you know, you have some things that you've done before and, and there's some things that I am currently doing sure. to try to build generational wealth as well. So, um, you know, I think as beyond just, you know, regular education of, of talking to friends and reading books and looking at YouTube or even TikTok these days, you know, I think it's also important that these things are taught in school, but also that parents are teaching their kids. And if you're not a parent, teach your nieces and nephews, right? Or stand on the corner like a crazy person to teach your neighbors. Sure. Just teach somebody. Provide educational information. Yeah, I, I think education's key. And I, I think just general knowledge sharing. I know we touched base on this in the last podcast, but, you know, comfort in talking about money, not only between friends, but, mm -hmm. you know, with family. Yeah. It's big because I think when you're growing up as a kid and, you, you, you know, if you had, you know, potentially more of an affluent background, you weren't really thinking about it. If, if you grew up in maybe um, not so affluent of a background, you were thinking about it a lot more, you know, and as you've gotten more mature through high school and if you need to take on a job and need to take on a job going into college, you know, things mean different uh, things to other people, right? Right. Financial education could mean, hey, do I need to budget better week to week to, as we're talking about in this podcast, building, you know, generational wealth. And I, you know, think probably to the, the general person, it's a scary term, um, wealth. Yes. And I, I think it, it's, it's interesting too, because I think that word has a lot of stigma behind it, right? I think people think of, you know, when you talk about money, when you talk about savings and investing, you know, that's one thing. But when you talk about wealth, you know, I think there's there's automatically like a subconscious click in somebody's brain of like, not not, not necessarily a positive thing. And, you know, it, it could be what I want to aspire to. But for some people it could be, oh, that person came from. Correct. And it's super subjective. Oh, correct. Right. Because what we someone would consider wealthy or wealth is, is different in the eyes of the, the individual who's speaking to it. Um, you know, so it, it, it's all relative. Mm -hmm. And so it's it's whatever you decide that wealth and those targets are then that's your wealth goal. That's your objective in it, right? I mean, usually someone would say people with billions of dollars, that is generational wealth, right? Correct. You, you, you know, that money will last for your kids and your kids' kids. That's generational wealth. That's what we mean by generational wealth. But in this episode, we wanted to explore ways to set up generational wealth. You know, how do we get those things going from the beginning stages, but also recognizing if you were born into generational wealth, you know, how do you sustain that? Sure. And keep that going um, over a long period of time. Yeah. Um, I think you, you mentioned something. And it, it triggered me to think about 
um, how people view generational wealth. Oh, for sure. And those who maybe, you know, come from wealth, um, you know, we could always, you know, step outside of where we currently are and establish a new paradigm, right? It, it just takes exposure and knowledge and education, right? And so, you know, you may be doing something right now and, and you become a sensation online. Look at the girl who, um, what is her name? I, I actually don't even care about her name. She was the one catch me outside. Okay. Yeah. You know, and, and made <laughs> lots of money. And then I think she did uh, OnlyFans maybe once or something like that. And that show or something like that garnered over a million dollars. Right. And so she started off with questionable whatever. And then she became like a sensation and now building generational wealth. You know, well, so it can, I know I'm just using an example, but you know, it's opportunity is what I'm saying. No, it's opportunity, but I think what you're stating, and I think there's a clear distinction that a lot of people don't make just because you are making money does not mean you are building wealth. Yes. And that is, if, you know, just because she made, say, a million dollars on that, you know, OnlyFans or, you know, whatever account doesn't mean that she was allocating that money to the best ability and not spending it right then and there. Correct. Right. Um, or, you know, even looking at like, you know, some of your favorite, maybe, you know, sports team players, mm -hmm. you know, where I know a lot of NFL players are played, you know, week to week based off their game. Yep. And, you know, like you said, it's even though some of these individuals are, you know, grown, they have not had good financial education, as you brought up early on. Mm -hmm. So it becomes, oh, how do I spend this as opposed to how do I build year to year and put XYZ away to build generational wealth. So I think that's just a clear distinction that, you know, you know, somebody who is making a crazy salary to somebody like, you know, fresh out of college, scraping by, still trying to put money aside. It, it's, you know, the same concept across different income bands. Mm -hmm. But, you know, how do I go from spending to saving and then building? And, and building, think, correct. Correct. Yes. And, and I think it really comes down to, you know, starting early, start where you are. And, I, and that's why I want to start with this is starting early. But before that, I want generational wealth like Mariah Carey, well, right? You know, you're Mariah Carey to me. Yes, I, I wish. So you know, Mariah Carey literally don't have to do anything because she owns her masters to her music. But what happens every December in the United States? All I want for Christmas, Mariah Carey doesn't have to do jack. In every Christmas season, holiday season, her music is the number one played stream music during that time frame. That is not necessarily generational. Well, that is generational wealth, but you know, it's it's money coming in. It's it's it. It's a great success story, right? And I, I'm not saying I'm gonna be there, but you know, I'm striving to put actions in place that I can build it for whomever I'm gonna leave this small fortune to. Yeah. Well, I, that's a good point. It's just you know, what comes next? Who who am I leaving my money to? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's a really important the generational part. part yeah, of the the generational part. Yeah, exactly. I can we get like a Mariah Carey soundbite in here, like emotions. Like, can you give me like the high high notes? So my low budget audio interface is not that great, so that won't happen. But I give you this: some clapping, and cheers. I can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> and that's all you get. Oh, man. Uh, but no, I mean, I think it's really. When we talked about starting earlier, start where you are, right? I know you and I have spoken in the past about being fresh out of college, mm -hmm. 
being in a city, what's a starting salary like? And, you know, when you have a company 401k and you're like, well, I have to do something and it's mm-hmm. 3% mm-hmm. or it's 4%. Or 5%. And, yeah. And you're, you're scraping along and you're like, wow, I saved my first $1,000. You feel great. And, you know, then I think some of the, you know, com- comparison to peers comes into play. It's tough. Yeah. And I, I think it's really difficult to realize that when you're building generational wealth, it's about you. Mm-hmm. It isn't about what other people are doing. It isn't about having FOMO over missing out on crypto, which I have experienced. Uh, but I think it, it's really about where you're at today, mm-hmm. whether you're 22, 30, 40, 16, starting your job, like in the summer jobs and really trying to build, you know, just um, some money for yourself. I think it, it really just starts where you're at. Right. So start there. Where do we start? So I think the most intuitive way to start when you're thinking about just long-term wealth building and money just in general for your retirement, I think we all kind of are accustomed to the traditional or Roth 401ks or the IRAs that we see those come in when you're, you know, maybe a single individual or, uh, you know, are, you know, in a partnership with somebody or you're, you're really just trying to map out the lay of the land more with the first job, especially if you don't have financial education, right? I mean, you're, you're kind of just going out into the world. You're, you know, your, your employer says you have access to XYZ. Right. So if it starts there, that's great. I, I think where it gets cluttered is when people start throwing out words like estate planning mm-hmm. or trust funds or 529 accounts or, you know, d- different... Which we're going to dive into. Oh, which we will dive into. Yep. But I think it, it's very scary mm-hmm. because you're, you're getting a lot of just numbers and words thrown at you. And I think realizing that just starting with the you know 401k, IRA contributions, you know, even if it's not the full match, it's something. And, and you're building your own net worth. Right. So it's, it starts there. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you um, had the same experience coming out of college and started investing right away or kind of what was your journey? That was definitely not my journey. Uh, I did actually invest, (laughs) shockingly, in Yahoo and Microsoft and Bank of America. Those were the three I invested in, not right out of college, but shortly after graduate school. And I didn't know much about it at all. I was just, you know, a novice to it. And this is before 2008, you know, we, you know, the big, the big dip uh, that happened there in, yeah. uh, in the financial markets and everything else that um, real estate markets as well. But I really found it to be a challenge um, because I was new to it. So you're not seeing the gains or some level of gainage, if you will. And so I sold it, right? Didn't know any better. Uh, got rid of it. And now look at what those shares are. Well, not Yahoo, but look at what those shares are now, you know, doing yep. outstanding. Granted, I got back into the game and I do own, you know, like I, I tell everyone, Microsoft is doing outstanding. If you really look at the numbers and the financials, you know, that company's doing really well. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't start off early. Um, it's just I didn't come from that background. Right. And, you know, I definitely want to explore it. And as we have in this conversation, you know, we kind of have to look at this in two different lenses, really. Yeah. It's it's those who are starting out how to build generational wealth, which is what we're talking about today. But also there's a different perspective. There is understanding those who come from generational wealth, who have wealth. Right. And then, you know, 
how is that viewed from society? How does that individual view themselves through the lens in society, right? And so, you know, at that point, you're not necessarily, well, I think at some point you're, you're always building the wealth, right? You, you should never, you're not, you, did, you don't stop building wealth, even if you come from wealth or having wealth. But, you know, there's ways to sustain it as we talked about leading into this episode. So those individuals are absolutely, you know, trying to sustain it. But then also, as we are talking about here is we want to establish wealth and then make that into a generational. Um, you know. no, yeah, and no, I agree. I, I think what we also just touched on is like we said, the person kind of coming out of college with nothing. Right. Right. And starting off. But when you talk about history for maybe higher net worth individuals or people who have some form of, of backing, everybody's different. But, you know. I talked to you briefly about my experience in the affordable housing space and, mm -hmm. you know, in, you know, 1940s through 60s era, when you, you know, kind of had urban renewal going on in predominantly white neighborhoods, a lot of predominantly white families mm -hmm. were able to build generational wealth from the quote unquote American dream. Absolutely. To, and they are, and our parents were able to get homes to then hold on to for a substantial period of time they captured a lot of the appreciable value and that was the money they lived off on and retired and then whatever they had on moved to their kids and they had that nest egg the problem is you know and, and you know not to get really um intensely into this conversation but i think it's important i think it is important mm -hmm. and i think you know when people talk about racial equity yep and you know that wasn't available to a lot of um you know, families of color. Correct. And so they're almost. Well, if it starting. was available, it was at an insane high interest rate. Well, it's insanely high interest rates, yes. And then there was also something, um, if, if you're familiar with, called blockbusting, where there would be real estate associations or brokers who would, you know, uh, find a piece of real estate, rent it out to um, a black family, mm -hmm. uh, but they would charge exorbitant fees, triple the market rate. Yep. yep. And mm -hmm. if um, that family missed a payment, mm -hmm. they would remove all their equity and they were kicked out of the project. And then they would have to move elsewhere right. and vacate the premises and never develop equity in the, the project. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just, it's horrible. Horrible. Um, and, you know, this is something that a lot of people don't realize. Predatory which, practices. Oh, predatory practices. And it had generational impact. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, affecting, you know, people in today's generation because, you know, like I said before, just that one example you're removing a nest egg transferred to, you know, children, which they're helping to build and bring onto their children. And it's it just, um, it, it's the problem is people don't want to also look at, you know, how a lot of people became wealthy in the past. Yes. And have that conversation, of which course we not. could probably have a conversation all about that. Of course. But no, I, I folks don't want to have that conversation because, you know, it's, it's, well, we're past that. Oh, we, we've grown past that. You know, have we? Yeah. You know, and I think that's a reckoning that needs to happen. And, and you often hear we have to have these conversations and we do. Everyone has to have these conversations and, and they are uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable with controversy or you're uncomfortable with feedback, you know, I thrive in controversy land. Like I can have a debate with you and we will absolutely be friends after that the conversation is over because I'm not personally taking the information as an attack. We're having a discussion, my viewpoint, your viewpoint, and we just talk about it and that's it. But some people emotionally get behind it and they can't have that authentic conversation. I think 
having these discussions is really important. Well, it needs to come from, I, I think, a place of learning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, on that topic, yes, I think we just covered, you know, not everybody has built generational wealth the same way. Correct. But understanding where people have been, where your family has been, that brought you to where you are today is important because it's a part of your history and you need to be able to acknowledge certain past events. And avoid. And avoid those moving forward. Mm -hmm. And also just to kind of understand where your base came from. Because I think it really gets into the speak softly and carry a big stick if you have that big stick, mm -hmm. right? It's not, hey, I'm buying, you know, this, you know, G-class, you know, out of, you know, college and my friends are all driving like, you know, the used Honda's is getting to work and I'm like, hey, I'm fine, even though we're working the same job, right? That's a great point is I have a friend, um, a former friend actually, <laughs> who mentioned something to me. I, I was having a conversation about money and it, it took a turn where he mentioned, you know, where I come from, this is the words he used, I have to show my wealth and in some communities that's how they show that they have some level of income is by fixing up a car flashy bling bling items that they're wearing right it's visibly showing that i have obtained enough money that i can wear and drive something but that's not building generational wealth in that or, or big, having a big home you know it's not building generational wealth it's really it's really just spending you know you're feeding into the market system right that market cycle you making you build the generational wealth for someone else well that's what we were talking about earlier right with like you know individuals with higher salaries or who make it big off a of video who yes you have money you have money but do you have wealth correct which you know i think that lets us kind of transition to maybe some ways you can build outside of this the traditional 401ks and roth iras i brought up earlier for the, the starting off individual and you know maybe how people getting into a certain point of their lives where they're kind of looking at the next steps mm -hmm. or people who already have inherited money what they're kind of looking to do moving forward you know we can i think start to dive into some of those items yeah let's dive into them so i, th I think one of the scary words is estate planning right i think people are like you know what does that mean what's an estate like it's a big mansion on the hill okay <laughs> uh but you know it's a, every you know everything you own like what's what's the that your net worth how, mm -hmm. how are you passing this on and a lot of people with traditional estate planning will write a will that they'll utilize to pass along right um you know to a beneficiary but the proud the challenge with wills though yes i want to dive yeah is something called probate yeah and you know those are obviously clerical proceedings with a judge where they'll read the list and it's up to the judge to delineate the rules of the will right which can be costly if it's not spelled out exactly and there can be certain forms of recapture and it can it can get messy did you have something you want to tell us about I, you know will? so that's the, the so when i think about wills you know i think about you know that's a cost associated right with someone that's trying to build that that wealth there you know are there ways to can you utilize a will that is generated you have it um what's the word i'm looking for when you're you're um when you're stamping i can't remember the the, the um like rubber stamp no, yeah but not just that what's the process of that called i, I forget i'm going to blank here oh like notarize notarize yeah. that's it ladies and gentlemen it's late <laughs> <laughs> notarize yeah. so you notarize uh that agreement versus you know going through like a legal zoom you're paying for a service or you're going through you know your lawyer and you have this file you know on retainer and and you pay some monthly service whatever you know all those things can add up 
and I understand, you know, going through probate, but, you know, just developing a will, having it notarized and send it off via email is something that my brain is like, yeah, I want to do that because I'm cheap. Just experiences in general with wills, you know. Um, well, also, you brought up a good point. That mindset's thinking about today. Yeah. I'm cheap, so I'm That's not going to spend money today to protect my tomorrow. True. That but, is true. Which I think is important because the that dollars you spend today, as I'm of the mindset, I will spend the dollars today. Mm-hmm to make sure my tomorrow is secure. I tend to be a little bit more risk averse with what I choose to do mm-hmm. with either my investing or just even setting things up down the road. You know, I was, I was talking to my, my wife about this, uh, you know, a little while ago when we met with a financial planner mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, is this the right thing to do? Like, look at this fee percentage. Like, I, I don't know. And in the back of my head, I'm like, if they're doing their job, I'm not going to notice their fee. If I'm getting the percentage I want in return, mm-hmm. if he's advertising my 8% return and he takes the 1% fee and I end up with seven, okay, yeah, it's 1% of my portfolio. But if, if I'm not thinking about it, that's okay with me. And that, that's, that's me personally. Some people like the control. I like researching companies. I like doing this. But if you're an individual who gets overwhelmed by that and doesn't have the time, you know, and somebody's starting off, like I said earlier, there's not all these robo advising platforms now. Yeah, that'll have allocated portfolios, and that you know probably generate five to six percent year over year. And for some people, that's fine. Some people want the the moonshot bets and the fifty percent returns. And 100% that's returns. not that's not sustainable, and that's not that's not always the case. I mean, five to eight percent is pretty good. Yeah, and I think the challenge though too is also being in pandemic era, where if anybody bought at the dip, hey, I'm a I'm a stock professional. Yeah, right. All my investments are, you know, done. My mutual funds are up sixty percent. And then I in twenty twenty, we we're down four percent. Was like, what the hell is this? Yeah, because I think it's just it's 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 skewed perception about you know making money and accruing wealth and and, and what you need to be doing. And I think the challenge for me is as I've gotten busier and busier in the real estate environment is you know focusing on how to navigate that space where I don't have as much time as I used to for right. researching right. stocks, which is fine. That, right, that makes sense. And I think that's where it comes down to. Like, and I'm, you know, sorry for going off on the tangent for a minute, but I think when you brought up, like, I'm cheap, Mm -hmm. you got to think about things, I think, more holistically for what's the end goal. But then again, I'm somebody who thinks 10, 15, 20 years down the road. There's some people who think day to day who can't contemplate that. So I fully respect that, but they have a different process. They do have a different process. And, and, and that's, you know, with my personal relationships with my friends, I have, it's been a hard pill to swallow sometimes, but I am a, a strategic long thinker, and I think it is a challenge for me sometimes to think to to hang with people who are very spontaneous. And they say, well, "Warren, just live, just just live in this moment." I say, "Well, I am living in this moment, but I've already planned out my year, and I know what my money allocations are for the year, so it's a little harder for me." To just be spontaneous in this moment. However, I was spontaneous three weeks ago. Five weeks ago. One of my friends gave me two-week notice and was like having a birthday party in LA. And I called him on the phone. You give me two weeks to prepare for this? But I get it. You know what? I want to be there for your birthday. Booked the flight. Hit it out to LA. Had an amazing time. That was a little spontaneous. I did have to cancel another trip I was going to make because I wanted to balance it off. Right. And I think it's striking the balance. Yeah. And, and it goes back to what we've been talking about a few times now of 
you you can you can spend your money right mm -hmm. and, and you can still also build wealth at the same time it's, yes it's it's moderation it's balance yeah it's it's making a plan and then once again this goes back into my 10 15 20 years down the road mentality because it's we're talking about plans but you know we i are I, talking about plans and i have an episode coming up after this episode ladies and gentlemen so the next week money talk money heist we're going to talk specifically about spending plans some people call them spending plans savings plans i like to call them financial plans i'm going to dive right into specific plans about how to set up your money and allocate your money so that you can live but also enjoy you know long-term money gains i'm looking forward to listening yeah um but uh now back, back to what we were talking about earlier with with the wills yeah there, there are certain costs associated with that up front and i brought up the probate that we talked about briefly but you know trust is also a big word that people associate maybe associate with the negative connotation of wealth like xyz individual is you know getting their trust later or they're a trust fund baby yeah or something along those lines which is i think at the end of the day just focus on you right i mean when you when you hear those things it's just like well hey they they end up with you know some portion of wealth is it their fault that they're inherited that wealth no but also that's a lot of energy that's unnecessary, right? Correct. You can also learn from what those individuals, you know, have went through. Or maybe, you know, like you just mentioned, those individuals received, you know, wealth through some other means. Well, guess what? You now have a pathway that you can also follow, right? You don't have to take that as a negative point of view. You can also take that as, oh, that's a success story. And I can also follow that same story. Yeah. And I think when you're also discussing formation of a trust, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what is it? It's complex. I don't understand it. Hire professionals, you know, hire lawyers, hire your accounts, hire financial advisor. Like I just talked about where yeah. I'm, I'm trying to have those conversations with somebody who's done it a million times. Because we are not financial advisors. We are not financial advisors. Podcast. No, we are just two distinguished gentlemen having a lovely dialogue. And late you guys night. join us to listen to that dialogue is this the is it turning into the after dark podcast is or, it i don't know well i could Not turn out my um what i call my live lights <laughs> i think i'm okay with these for now but maybe yeah. maybe later um <laughs> but when when you're starting off that account right and i mean just kind of at, at its bare bones you have somebody called a grantor okay which is you know pretty much the donor or the person setting up the trust and then they will convey responsibilities to the trustee who will then manage the account and you say donor, so they donating money and or property, so you you can assign your home into the trust. Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, uh, fine art. Okay. Jewelry, real estate, Lamborghinis, Bugattis. Yeah. yeah. Super Outbacks. You know <laughs> the, the whole you know, the whole Smoothie King <laughs> smoothies. You know, in the in the fridge. Right. Um, that we have downstairs. But um, you know, basically, then when they assign duties of the trustee to maintain the trust, they're usually a neutral third party. Mm -hmm. Who then can act in the best interests of what the grantor has, you know, designated for that trust for its beneficiaries eventually when they pass. So the trust is operating from the will. So wills and trusts are separate, right? Not all people who write wills have trusts, right? Okay, um, but also a trust in and of itself, because it's a structured entity, you don't need a written will because everything's designated to the trustee to execute on behalf of the grantor. So it's, it's almost like a uh, robust. But one can probate the... 
you can't probate in um, trusts. Oh, that's, uh, okay. Yeah, that's so you, you, the money you spend up front, once again, yeah. you kind of save on the back end because all the rules of the road are written into the trust document. You don't have to go through the court system. I feel like he's taking jabs at me here. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, but I think it's just good to know. That's why we yeah, have this is. conversation. It's very good I to think know. It's just you know things that you just never think about or you yeah. think that's maybe not attainable to you and trusts are only available to the top 1%, but they're available to the average income household as well. Yeah. And I think just even having this conversation today is positive. But people also need to realize, you know, why why do you form trusts? Because everybody thinks it's, you know, sunshine and rainbows and, you know, you pass away, you give wealth to kids, but it's also to protect your beneficiaries. Yes. Right? It's it's to, you know, not only protect them from tax implications, but also, you know, if your beneficiaries have any form of creditors that they don't have access to those money. If they're married and get divorced, their partner, you know, through a prenuptial agreement may not have access to that money. That's good. So there's a lot of... That's good. And especially the creditors part, right? That's pretty good, right? They, they can't take that money. Yeah. And, and, and it's just extra insulation. I mean, we talked about it, um, you know, on the last podcast I was on regarding LLCs kind of insulating the owner from risk. I mean, it's just, I'm all about mitigating risk. And thinking about the long term and how do I get the bulk of things that I own to the people that I care about. Yeah, that makes sense. And honestly, anybody really should be thinking about a trust if you can make a list of people you want to share assets with at your death. And everybody should be thinking about it. Yeah. Yes, everyone. That's a that's an important piece. You know, my mom called me a few years ago and she said, I want to have a conversation with you about when I die and I was like I'm not ready for this conversation I was not ready for it but I have to be ready right we need to put items into place so this is a really good episode you know I'm learning a lot here about some of the things we can do um, she has a business they have a home down there I want no interest in, in managing any of it but <laughs> setting up a trust as a family you know maybe that's something that we should consider doing right talking to someone about these options we have well and and then it you know when you start peeling back the onion further it's what kind of trust because you can have something called a revocable or a living trust people have heard that term before yeah. so basically it's 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 an easy document to amend and it's basically the grantor can rewrite or reallocate percentages in the trust and direct the trustee to execute those changes Mm -hmm. while your children are still growing up ah, because it's accounting sense. for different things in life yeah it makes sense which you know 10 years I, down the line something changes well correct and i think that's you know every, and this goes back into people being uncomfortable planning about money in the future or talking about money i i think you should probably have an estate planning or just general thought about where you're at financially maybe every five years or so and just kind of think about your long-term goals because people can talk about Oh, well, you know, I like DC, but I want to settle down in Seattle long term. Why can I talk about geographically where I want to move, but not how I'm going to try to build money? This warms my heart. Renee and I have already talked about where we're going to be. Yeah. <laughs> we have literally already found the location where we want to go. Shout out to Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Well, I love that. But I think then the next question is, and like what we're talking about today, how are you going to get there? Yes. That's you know? the plan. That's that financial plan. That's the plan. Stay tuned, guys. Yeah, we will stay tuned. But also it it, it hybridizes with your wealth because yes. at the end of the day, when we bought these homes, what was the goal? I want to own a house. But then it's like, I don't want to be house broke where I'm trying to pay off this house and I'm not accumulating wealth. 
Yes. That's you know? the reason why I sold my condo. There you go. I didn't want to come here as house poor. But also, you know, we did talk about coming into this home, you know, 15 years. Not to say we're going to sell it, but 15 years is our goal, right? To be in this home. And then from there, it's most likely rent it out or, you know, whatever we're going to do at that point. But, you know, or maybe Renee stays and we, we, we have two homes, not by coastal, but by city. Yeah. And we just, you know, we, we are exploring a lot of those different options, which is also leading to the next conversation here, which is like real estate planning. Sure. You know, and how all that fits into the trust as well. And so, um, yeah, I, I think too, you know, what I just described one type where you can kind of amend it over time, which is the revocable trust. There's also irrevocable trust where the rules of the road are set. Or if the grantor of a revocable trust dies, it transitions to an irrevocable trust and the rules are set. Okay. Um, that the trustee needs to execute upon mm. per the pre-designed guidelines. And that's whether or not, hey, you get access to these funds when I die. Hey, you get these funds when you're 30. It, it, it can be structured any which way for that individual grantor. But So I, it, I read this. Do not quote me, ladies and gentlemen. Please do your own research here. But the New Orleans Saints football team, it was a tricky story. I'm not going to go into full details, but the owner was before he passed away put both the New Orleans Saints and the NBA New Orleans Pelicans into a trust and, and I'm sorry into um, uh, the will I guess so everything transferred over to his wife his kids or grandkids who were um, promised air quotes if you will to get those items were removed from that and those kids challenge his capability to be cognitive of, of what he's doing in court Obviously, they lost. Um, everything went over to his wife. He passed away. She has no kids. So she has designed this structure where when she passed away, and this is the the, the executor of, of that trust uh, coming to play, and it, it had me thinking, the state of, it goes into a, a charitable organization, the, the ownership of both of those teams, and they cannot leave the state of Louisiana because now those teams are, are tied to that charitable, charitable organization and uh, X amount of percentage that those that those that the profits from those entities make will be given back to the state of Louisiana. I was like, I've never heard this. I absolutely think this is a great idea. Now, that's not that's that's generational wealth for the state, but it's not generational wealth for a family or individual, right? That 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 money is now being contained at the state level in that charity. Yeah, and, correct. But yeah. I think what has another facet is the trust also allows you to have the vehicle for charitable gifting, mm -hmm. which then reduces income tax. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You know, right. so it's you know, there's I think there's always a a, a meaning, always right? a meaning, right? There's, there's always a reason to do something. It's a lot of a lot of tools in the bag for the wealthy here. A lot of tools, but once again, uh, trusts don't have to just be for the wealthy. That's true. You know, it, it's it's something that can be accessible. I would just you know consult a financial professional um, because it is just something I'm also thinking about and, and talking about with my financial professional. And you know, I th once again, it's just information. I think being open and collecting information is critical. Yes, and not just saying I save for retirement. And this is it. Yeah, who because knows so much more? Who knows what the hell we need for retirement? You know, yeah. who who knows? Because we're not once again, we're not taking the time in our days to be like, hey, when I'm 65, based off what I'm spending now, I'm gonna have this. Maybe there's people who do that. Okay, I don't want to say. Okay, Warren Warren does that. Yeah, look, there's a number in my head, 1.6 million, that I think is 
what I need. That may not be enough. You know, so I, I, I have, you know, I'm, I am going to take the due diligence in the next two years because I'm not ready to retire to plan out all these things, the courses I'm going to take um, for retirement planning. And I'm going to see what those numbers are, sure. right? What's, what's reasonable to, to set aside. And, and this is great information, especially about the trust that I am going to have to have with my family. You know, I fly down to Louisiana next month to celebrate my mom's 65th birthday. And so this is a critical juncture, I think, to have this level of conversations with my family. Well, and also, too, we've talked about trust passing on generational wealth, obviously, to the future or to family. Mm -hmm. But it's also, you know, when you get older, thinking about, well, how your medical bills being covered. Yeah. And things along those lines. You know, it can also hold life insurance policies and yeah. pay premiums and collect tax-free proceeds to care for your beneficiaries. So all that can be held within the trust? Within the trust, oh, yeah. Nice. So, I mean, there's there's a lot of layers here, mm -hmm. which we, we can once again, dive into for hours on end. But I think that gives a pretty good scope of, yeah. you know, once again, revocable, irrevocable trust. You know, people obviously also hear terms like blind trust, mm -hmm. which basically means that the trustee can bind sell securities or move things around based off the will of the grantor and not notify the beneficiaries. So things could be happening on the background for the beneficiaries who are going to inherit this, mm -hmm. but they don't have decision-making authority. So the right. grantor can structure the trust so the beneficiaries that's you know that's somewhat dangerous what if what if they go too risky in in the investment side of it oh i mean i've, I've had friends whose parents have you know um you know invested in oil in a very kind of crazy time for that industry and mm -hmm. everything was lost and they weren't able to recoup it and they didn't end up getting anything but, the, but i think the problem is too it, it comes back to communication with your family right if you're gonna have this type of structure do you When's the right time to communicate? Because some people who may be a little bit immature and see like, oh, I'm getting a pot of money. I don't need to try hard. Yeah. But then there's true. other people who are intrinsically motivated and said, hey, that's frosting. I'm not going to, you know, I, I like my cake, but the frosting will come later. I'm going to do all the work to get my own cake. Yeah. And that's that, that's more on. me. I don't even think about things that are in, you know, because I know there are things out there, my family side, Renee's side, you know, things that are coming to me. And I'm thinking, I, I have enough in my brain. I can't think of that stuff right now. It's it's too much for me. Um, but you're right. There are people who think about that money they receive and they blow it as opposed to receiving it and using it for something else or immediately. Like your taxes, for example. I know that's nothing. Well, this, this could be on a low scale generation of wealth pieces. But, you know, you know, those who don't have to pay taxes each year, you get some you get your tax back. Right. You pay your fair share. You get an income tax back. Take that money and invest it. Right. A Roth IRA, you can invest it into ETFs, you can invest it into a financial plan that you develop with your financial planner, right? There are a lot of things you guys can do. You don't have to take that money and go buy clothes or buy jewelry or buy a PS5 or Xbox. You don't have to do that, right? You can make more money, right? Or just use the interest that you've gained off of putting into dividend stocks, right? And get get that money back and use that to purchase those items. Yeah, and it's great. And I think what um you know if, if some people aren't aware, you know, when they hear the term IRA, you know, there's different types of IRA accounts. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Keo accounts for people who are self-employed. There's 403b accounts for people who work in the healthcare industry. There's traditional IRAs that are pre-tax. Yes. Roth IRAs that are post-tax dollars. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a lot of once again, just there, there's so much information and, and a finite amount of time. And as you're kind of looking into these items and trying to analyze what, you know, product may be best for me, 
Um, I think it really comes down to just, you know, just maybe even chipping away, you know, five minutes a day, open up a, an article being like, hey, what is this? And exactly. getting more information. If, if you don't have access, like I said before, if, if you want to maybe save a few dollars on consulting with a financial advisor or, you know, maybe not forming a trust tomorrow, but, you know, just solely building your knowledge, because at the end of the day, you know, you're only going to be as prepared going into tomorrow as the work you put into today. Yeah. And I, th- and I think that's a, a lot of people. It, it's easy to say, but it's hard, I think, sometimes to execute, especially when it's like, well, you know, Don, I, I, I worked, you know, a nine to five job, but I commuted two hours to work. I commuted two hours home. I, I, I ran to the gym quick. I had a quick dinner. It's 10 p.m. I don't have time to think about it, which is fair. Because I mean, it's that it's, is fair. It's, but it's on that two-hour commute home, there are podcasts out there. There are this one. There are <laughs> <laughs> shameless plug here. There are also other items, right? You could talk to friends on the phone who may be more knowledgeable. That's what I do. That's how oh, I got yeah. started. I talk to individuals who are investing and have had success in different areas, and I learned and I continue to learn. Right. Well, I never want to be the smartest person in the room. Because I, mean, right. I, I, I want, because if, if, for me, if you are always the smartest person in the room, perceived smartest person in the room, per, or perceived smartest person in the room, you're not, you're, you're, I don't think you're really open, right? I think you need to, you know, take a step back, kind of acknowledge where you're at and be like, somebody can teach me something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, the, like, once again, that's the benefit of these podcasts, because we're talking about, you know, a, a lot of things that people probably aren't thinking about on their day to day. And you know, that, and that's the benefit about knowledge sharing, I feel like is, you know, we can have these conversations today. And help people build wealth absolutely and then that spark other conversations and then you know we can we can have a discord oh <laughs> right so what's next you know what we suggest in navigating well i, I think also wealth. to um when we talk about just general income mm-hmm. you know and and how well you know don so much is taken out from federal taxes to county taxes to state taxes like you know how do i say well we, we've talked about the the IRAs and you know just a quick note on those IRAs you know when you get to a certain income level obviously you can't contribute to a Roth Mm -hmm. if you're an individual or or married they have the different levels but you know under current you know tax code they're also looking and getting rid of the backdoor IRA I heard for traditional to Roth so you know that prohibits some of the more tax fee withdrawal investments um, for for some individuals but you know it's still going to be accessible to others I'm for and against it it's tough. I yeah. mean, I, I understand why, um, but I think it hinders kind of, I think I, I can relate to it a lot more just because we're kind of in that Montgomery County demographic, right? So I think it, it becomes difficult where it's like we, we know our income bands mm-hmm. and kind of where people fluctuate and we're like, hey, we're still trying to save and we're still trying to grow. So, hey, I would appreciate this. Let um, me catch up first. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. But, you know, outside of those pre-tax and after-tax, you know, contributions you can make, you know, charitable charitable donations, right? Uh, a lot of people don't even think about it. Or if they made a donation, don't even keep track about it. You know, so that's something that could lower your... I do. Yeah. I, I mean, I do as well. But it's, it's important because it does lower your taxable income base. Mm-hmm. I think managing gains is huge because especially in this day and age where... There's a lot of news articles we've seen with GameStop mm-hmm. or even um, you know, a, a lot of the um, massive climbs in the, the crypto arena. People are like, oh, I want to capture my gain now. Wow, I made, you know, I bought, say, one Bitcoin for 17000 I sold for sixty five or sixty seven. I made $50,000. Is that amazing? Well, how long do you own it for? Short-term capital gains. Yeah. Long-term capital gains. If you're holding it less than a year, well, that's going to be a lot bigger of a hit than if you decided to hold it for a little over a year. 
But if you couldn't deal with the volatility, you kind of just. And I think that is critical, especially for a new investor, knowing just that, you know, short term and long term capital gains. It's it's, you know, important to understand what you're getting yourself into. You know, you are not a a uh, what is it? I would call it a um, the individuals who who do stocks every day. Uh, what are those individuals called? Um, chasing the dollar there when oh, you the are day traders. The day traders. Yeah. Like you know, I have some friends who 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 get antsy, you know, and they see the the, the spikes and gains and 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 oh, I need to sell. Why? Why? Because like, so what is your strategy going into this in the beginning? And I I've covered this before in previous podcasts where. What is your goal going into investing in general, right? So if you have a long-term strategy or a short-term strategy, whichever one you are following, execute that plan. But don't just be someone who's like scared and you see a little dip and I have to sell. Now, short-term capital gains apply. Did you consider that? Well, and, and I'll just do a plug back earlier to like why like I, I love just the Roth IRA account because it's you're tax-free and that's capital gains included so for now you, yeah for now but right now you can take those moonshots yeah you know and i think that's really important um because it's just okay well if you have that benefit try to use it but if you don't know what that specifically that account is then you're missing out on that opportunity right um you know i think also think about managing your assets almost like a business right where you know, we've talked about on the prior podcast, you know, LLC structuring mm-hmm. for real estate, you know, which you can do if you're real estate planning or, um, you know, have a primary investment residence Yes, um, that you can build into a trust or have as a standalone LLC. Um, or, you know, if you have, you know, like yourself, if, if this, this podcast is an LLC or you have a fitness channel where you buy equipment and you categorize things and take deductions as business expenses incurred. You know, that provides savings where you as the individual are not, you know, taking the full brunt of, of those costs. Um, so then, you know, the income that you're generating either from that side hustle or that business is going into your pocket. And then you can redistribute that into, you know, one of the other investment accounts we've spoken about. Right. I think, too, with generational wealth um, uh, gifting, not a lot of people think about that. Yeah. And basically, there's a gift tax exclusion up to $16,000 in 2022 where say you have a family member who is looking to transfer some of their wealth to, you know, maybe a grandchild or something along those lines, you know, you can contribute or gift them up to $16,000 tax free. And you can do that year over year or right now it's 16,000 in 2022, which is, you know, beneficial also because it brings down your, taxable income as well these are nuggets ladies and gentlemen yeah little ones little chicken nuggets little chicken nuggets little chickies so you know th- those are just kind of a few facets i also think about what's kind of just reducing your taxable income because at the end of the day the more income you have the more you can kind of plan outside yes. of you know buying that jacket or you know buying those chicken nuggets as we just talked about right or uh, you know actually building the wealth so that's just kind of i think you know some other thoughts you I know had. some other areas that we have to consider is those who have kids oh yeah you know and you know there are programs out there for you know setting aside funds for kids who want to go to college or they want to explore after high school i wish i had that opportunity after high school to take a year off to just explore around the world you know that wasn't afforded to me not to say that i didn't have a great time going straight into college because i did but you know 
there are options out there. And something I heard recently is um, they call it the the UTMA, the UTMAs, which is you know open up accounts for kids um, early age, and then they have the access to that money at the age of eighteen. You know, um, you can also put those in trust too, right? Maybe. Um, well, it's the UTMA or that's the, um, uniform transfers to minors act Mm -hmm. basically allows an adult to transfer assets to a minor by opening up a custodial account. Custodial account. Yeah. So, I mean, um, I think with, I think the time horizon is just a little bit different with the trust. I'm not saying, I'm not sure if you could combine it. That's something I'd, I'd read into, but usually with that, that account, because it's being transferred to a minor between, you know, 18 and 21. In uh, that account is really primarily being utilized to, you know, be for college savings or, you know, transfer assets without creating a trust. Yes. You know, so that, that that's yeah. really kind of the purpose of that. And it was formed from the um, UGMA, which was Uniform Gift to Minors Act, okay. which was a more restrictive custodial account. Um, but basically with that, you know, you can invest in typical securities, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, um, hold life insurance policies, once again, royalties, fine art, all that, mm-hmm. all that good stuff. But NFTs. Then, yeah. I don't know. I'd have to check that. Yeah. <laughs> I doubt it. Or, it's, or it's, like, it's, yeah, like the Bitcoin adjacent ETFs or. Yeah, yeah. I don't think that's possible right now, but it's, it's a thing. No, but, but it's useful because it's like at 18, that money then becomes available to that child. And, and I think another account that's also useful are your 529s. Yep which I'm sure people are a little bit more familiar with. That's true. And each state has different requirements for that. Yeah. And I, and what the benefit of that is you won't pay federal tax on the earnings if it's utilized for the appropriate cost. Right. Which is a big benefit. And yes. then obviously states have specific either tax credits or tax deductions for contributions, which mm-hmm. there's a lot of benefits to those accounts. Um, and I think another benefit is, you know, it tracks to that child. You know, so you can really have age-based strategies. You know, if you don't want to pick individual stocks, it's kind of like the the balanced fund. So if I'm retiring in 2055 with a 401k with a company, it, it's similar, where it yes. kind of projects based off like a balanced fund, mm-hmm. um, and you know, it looks at your risk profile and, and things along those lines. And you know, there's no income-based restrictions, which is nice, which is great. Yeah, and I, there's also flexibility in use, which which is great. Where like. It doesn't need to be to a traditional high school or college or PhD program. It can be for trade schools, yes. continuing ed, yes, apprenticeships. Um, you know, I think up to 10k can be utilized for student debt. This is outstanding programs we have out there. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's absolutely amazing. So and- start early, ladies and gentlemen. Also, I have a friend who told me every birth- he has two kids. And every birthday, he purchases, you know, instead of a traditional gift, or probably does purchase a traditional gift for those kids. But he gets he gets his kids' stocks into um, aristocrat dividend stocks, you know, so Coca Cola well, or AT and yeah. right? There, he's building that portfolio for his kids, but also there's dividend gains that each those kids are getting. And of course, over 18 years, that's a uh, you know a lot of potential dividends that these you know companies are entering into his uh, account i think that's a really great idea and I mean, some of these stocks are like 40 dollars, some are 80 bucks you know so for birthday you know you're purchasing 40 80 dollars maybe one or two shares it's not a bad idea you know if you want to go at it at the individual level stock route versus maybe like into a fund or something like that yeah but i think in addition to the 529 that's a good strategy no no i i completely agree i think once again, when you're making these plans, it's 
do I want the 529 for my kid's college education? Mm -hmm. Or is there a hiccup and then I start spending it for their high school education or something along those lines? And then you don't have as much as you anticipated for their college education. So, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of mapping out what is that pot of money for? And obviously, yeah, it's, you know, if you send your child to a public school where you don't have the same fee output as, you know, for a shout out to public education, I'm public educated here. There you go. Wakanda forever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but i mean that you know that's really a lot of the different facets i had i I think Mm -hmm. to to really sum it up it's about people get cluttered with noise of other people and you got to focus on what your goal is like i said before i don't don't, have a goal yeah like there will always be somebody who makes more than you there will always be somebody who came from a, a better background than you, quote unquote better. But you, you, in this conversation from the wealth generating aspect, yes. it really comes down to what do you want to either know more about? Because there's so many options out there as we articulated today, whether it be through real estate, through these these trust entities for you know accumulating that wealth and having those tax benefits, or it, it really just comes down to you as the individual to start your journey if you haven't already or if you have you know taking that additional step and maybe surrounding yourselves with the smarter people in the room you know yeah, yeah, that's what I do like all step. the time so you know those are just just some thoughts so I would say this it just came to me I literally just wrote it down live for the now but plan for the future there you go that is building generation well got really excited I did get really excited because I think I think Guys, you got to do this. You have to you have to live in the now, but understand, plan for the future. Now, that future could be a five-year increment, 10-year increments, whatever your increment cycle is. Plan for the future. Just build out a plan. I'm going to help you guys get there. And maybe me too. There we go. Great chat yet again, just like the last episode. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Remember, positive energy leads to positive vibes. Don't forget to subscribe if this is your first time joining. No Pants Required can be found on Google Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Peace. Thanks, Warren. Yeah.